to today. And the focal point, the main thing that I want to just resonate with each one of us today is wrapped up in only two words, crippled actions. You see, it's our own personal crippled actions that have allowed us to become a culture of acceptance. As we look at chapter 2 of Malachi, we will see that the crippled actions of the priests allowed the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, to become a nation of acceptance and and a nation that would ultimately settle for mediocrity. You see, we get desensitized about the things that are around us because we drive by them every day. But when we put it on a PowerPoint in the middle of a church service, we squirm and we get a little uneasy that, that those things are around us. And, and, and as we talk about, and, I, and I'll tell you, uh, being the father of an eight-year-old who reads on a sixth-grade level, we've had these conversations. What's, what's an adult emporium? Do they have one of those for kids? No, son. It's called Chuck E. Cheese, and it's different. You know, what do you say? They, they, our kids put us on the spot. And, and really, you know, Dylan has made me more aware of the things that are going on in our community. And it's not just Jimmy's and, and the adult emporium and, and that kind of stuff. It's, you know, what is, you know, and he'll pronounce whatever place we pull in at the dry cleaner on um, Wall Triana. And there's a, couple, there's a couple Muslim study groups and he'll be sitting in the car and, and I'll come out and he'll say, what's da 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 Where'd you see that? Well, it's right there. I'm so oblivious to what's in my community that I miss it. But it comes, it comes from, from those crippled actions. Um, you know, we, we've allowed ourselves here in America to slowly shift from the land of the free and the home of the brave to the land of acceptance in the name of political correctness and the home of the offended because we think we're entitled to something and it hurts when we don't get it. That's, that's what we're becoming. And, and all of that comes from our crippled actions. And as a country, we started crippling ourselves when we took God and prayer out of everything we do and put it in as an afterthought in the wake of tragedy or someone dying or something horrible happening beyond our own uh, personal definitions. And the only way that we can change that is from the inside out. The only way we can change the community we live in is from the inside out, our own inside. Because I can't change you and you can't change me. But God can change each one of us. We have to have a desire not to just conform with mediocrity. And, and the goal, I, I talk about all the time about going out into our community and, and changing and, and making it better and serving and doing those things. And when we do that, it's, it's not to, to do it with a judgmental heart, um, but it's, it's that we should have a burning desire to be involved in our community, to show people that they're more valuable than these things. Not with, not with picket signs and mean-spirited street preaching. I, I have a lot of people on Twitter that I follow, and one of them, the guy's called the, street, uh, the last street preacher, I think is what he calls himself. But he goes to East Tennessee University a lot, and he always puts a tweet out about, just finished preaching the word to thousands of sinners at East Tennessee. I'm thinking, man, how'd that go? And, and, but he's always, he, he always says these just negative things, and I'm thinking, that's not what we're called to be. That his, his crippled actions are going to cause people to never see the love of Jesus Christ because of the way that he is presenting who Jesus Christ is. And that is not what we should do. That's not at all what I'm talking about. We need to go into our community with the same love from Christ that first changed us, with that same compassion, with a heart of knowing that you can impact someone's life. All you have to do is take notice of them. One of my favorite things as a youth and family minister was taking the youth group to the Christ and Youth Move event every year. Yeah, go ahead. 
Early on in ministry, I got this idea that it would be great to have some team-building experience with these kids. We, you know, you, you get these kids, a dozen kids or so, and you, you're in a van and you're heading out for somewhere for a week. And what better way to, to have some team-building so I started talking to some youth ministry buddies of mine, and we all knew it all at that time. And uh, we thought, whitewater rafting. Nothing says team-building experience like whitewater rafting. And so for years, I would meet up with different youth ministers. We'd all meet at the same places, and you get a group rate, you know, and, and we'd go down the, the, the river with our groups. And, and so we always go to Tennessee uh, in Florida. We'd always go to Tennessee for CIY move. And everybody knows that the Okoe is the best whitewater rafting around. And if you haven't been, it is fun. Um, the Okoe has class three and four rapids, even when there's not rain. Okay. It's great. Uh, for they, they have all the, it's, it's just so popular. The upper Okoe was part of the 1996 Olympic whitewater rafting competition. And so for years, we would meet up with these other youth ministers in their groups, and we would take our kids down the Okoe on these team-building experiences. Over the course of 12 years, I have rafted down all three parts of the Okoe, the upper, middle, and lower, depending on what part of Tennessee we were in for the conference and what the weather was like, etc. And of all the trips that I made down the Okoe, there's only one that uh, it just resonates with me to this day. And so... I'm going to share some of that with you. On this particular trip to CIY, I was traveling with myself, a female sponsor, and five high school girls. For, for whatever reason, none of the boys went to CIY that year, and really I was the driver and the teacher. And Don't worry, they're getting the edited version of this. Um, <laughs> so we're... And I even said to the girls, you know, you're girls, you can't go rafting, you know, and they're like, oh, we can raft. And so we, we get it in there and we, we meet up with the other groups and we're at the, the Okoe and we, we get our jacket and our paddles and our helmets on and they take us down to the river and we get to meet our guide, who is also a girl, a tiny girl, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and I'm thinking I'm totally outnumbered now. So I was, should have just got back on the bus, but anyhow... She goes over the rules and the information we need for rafting safely. Now, if you haven't been rafting, the rules are simple. There's a proper way to hold your paddle, and that's at the top so that you're not hitting people. Um, There's a proper way to sit, and she went through that. And then the other rule is just listen to what the guide says. Paddle left, paddle right, backward, you know, and you just do what she says. Uh, It's kind of like being married, guys. The rules are simple, okay? Um, So we put the raft in the water, and, and this lady, she was very thorough because she, would, she went to each one of us and made us repeat the rules to her, and, and then we had to tell her we understood the rules. And I'm thinking, I've done this like 12 times. I, I wrote the book. It's, you get in the raft, you sit down, you paddle. Okay. We get in the raft, and we start to go down, and then she explains to us, due to the recent rain, the Okoe, all of the classes have been upped one number. So class threes are class fours, class fours are class fives, class twos are class threes. You see how that works. She goes, but don't worry, there's only two class fives on this run, and they're pretty short, and they're just fast and straight. It's no big deal. So we head down the river, and things were going well. Paddle left, paddle right. We're following directions, and we get to this place that she called the washing machine. Now, the neat thing about the washing machine is it was a place in the river where the way that the water rolled over the rocks, it created this just perpetual circle. And if you get your raft on it just right, you kind of, it's just like a never ending wave. And you just kind of sit there and you're all like, Ooh, look at us. And they take your picture and, you know, and then everybody's like, okay, sit down. That's the easy part. 
Okay, the tricky part, and she explained this to us. Now, as we come out of here, the raft is going to kind of lunge forward. So everybody be ready, you know, get your footing, get ready. On three, she pushes us off. The raft lunges forward. At the same time, a raft comes beside us that was going around the washing machine, and it hits our boat. That shouldn't have been a big deal. But as I said, I was rafting with all girls. No offense. (laughs) Very quickly, all of the instructions were forgotten, okay? (laughs) This thing hit us, and all the girls dumped into the one side of the boat because they didn't want to get hit or splashed by this other raft, which caused our raft to stand up on its side. Everybody falls out except for one girl and the little uh, guide, but I think she had a rope or a seatbelt or something because she should have been gone. So now... (laughs) Because all the girls did that, we tip out, we're all on edge. Actually, we're all in the water. I fell out right in the washing machine, so I'm in this perpetual spin cycle, (laughs) right, trying to come out and find air and stuff. Long story short, we, we get all these girls, and only one other girl had been rafting before, and needless to say, none of them will go rafting again, but we, we get actually down this class five rapid and there's this pool of of quiet calmness and and i was grateful um (laughs) here's the takeaway we all knew what we should have done in that situation firm in our seats do what she said but but at the first sign of of something intense everybody dove for cover and in diving for cover it upset the whole situation we had the knowledge for success but despite that we failed to do what we would have been asked of us Despite our understanding of what to do, we didn't execute what we had committed to do. We had knowledge and we knew, but when it came to application, we fell short. And our crippled actions on the river that day uh, could have really had major consequences. We were lucky. Myself and five girls took a class five rapid without a raft. And just so you know, you end up very scraped and bruised and swollen from that experience. Okay? Okay. Here's the thing. That brought us to a whole new set of life life lessons learned, taking that class five rapid. We begin to appreciate little things in life, like oxygen, (laughs) you know, being able to stand up on something that was firm and solid. and, And it was just, it ended up being a much better week than it started out. And like I said, we knew what to do, but our crippled actions on that river brought us to a whole different place. Now, I want to wrap all that up into Malachi chapter 2. And what I want you to think about as we're going to look into Malachi chapter 2, and as we look at these verses, there's, there's two things I want you to do. First off, I want you to think about whatever offering that you brought today for the Lord. I want you to think about that. And, and if you haven't written the check yet, now's a good time to go ahead and do that, okay? Um, but I want you to think about your offering. I want you to think about your life. Excuse me. And, but more importantly... I want you, in your own mind, every time I say the word priest, I want you to replace it with your name. You don't have to do it out loud, but as I read the word priest, insert your name. And I'm going to do that with my name over the first one just to kind of get you into the flow of it. And that's what I want you to do. But let me just say, Christian, I want to explain this to you this way. We are the church. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit of God. He lives in you. And that makes you a priest. You are the keeper of God's laws for your body, the temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. Okay? And so that's where I'm, where I'm coming at with this. Now, I'm going to start with Malachi chapter 2. And now this admonition is for you, O John, 
See, it would say priest there, but I used my name. For you, O priests, if you do not listen, and if you do not set your heart to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them, because you have not set your heart to honor me. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will spread on your faces the ophal from your festival sacrifices, and you will be carried off with it. By the way, in case you're wondering, ophal is, it's nasty, all right? They're sacrificing animals. Ophal is the leftovers, okay? The internal organs, the other nasty things. That's why it's actually a term for off-fall is where it comes from. And so for God to smear the ophal on the faces of these people who are, who are doing things wrong, that's not a pretty sight, okay? Just keep that in mind. You have to picture that. And you know, verse 4, and you will know that I have sent you this admonition so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him. This called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge. For the lips of John ought to preserve knowledge and from his mouth men should seek instruction because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. But you have turned from the way and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. So I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people because you have not followed my ways but have shown partiality in matters of the law. Do you see where this is going? Do you see how this has meaning for us? We know what we should do, Christians, yet we choose not to do it. Many times, or how many times a week do we turn away from his teachings just long enough to be a part of something that we know is less than average? Um, You see, crippled actions lead to a separation from God, even for his chosen people. And that's what this first part is about. We, we live in a society where we're like, well, it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. <laughs> and, and that's really the call that a lot of Christians that we live on. We know what we should do and shouldn't do. But we take these little detours just long enough. And then we come back around, God, I'm sorry. And then we do it again. He continues in, in verse 10. Have we not all one father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our fathers by breaking faith with one another? Judah has broken faith. A a detestable thing has been committed in Israel. And in Jerusalem, Judah has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying the daughter of a foreign god. As for the man who does this, whoever he may be, may the Lord cut him off from the tents of Jacob. Even though he brings offerings to the Lord Almighty, another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why? It is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth. Because you have broken faith with her. Though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant, has not the Lord made them one? In flesh and spirit, they are his. Excuse me. In flesh and spirit, they are his. And why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. I hate divorce, says the Lord. 
God of Israel, and I hate a man's covering himself with violence as well as with his garment, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself in the spirit, in your spirit, and do not break faith. If you have wearied the Lord with your words, how have we, or excuse me, you have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask, by saying all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them? Or where is the God of justice? God was very descript in what was required of the people and the priests when they brought their offerings before him. You can look in, in the book of Numbers, uh, particularly in, in chapter 3, verses 8 through 11, and in Deuteronomy chapter 33, and you can see what the relationship between God and the priest was to be like and what, what the relationship was that God wanted with his people. He simply wants the best. He deserves the best. He sent his son as the final sacrifice so that we would no longer be required to bring the blood of bulls and goats and lambs. All this stuff that we just read was about being faithful to God. And he talks about how the different tribes veered off of that, of that path of faithfulness. How they got, they got sidetracked. And instead of impacting their community, they allowed the community to impact them. They married foreign people. They married into foreign gods. They worshipped idols. They started doing these things. God's chosen people. He simply wants the best. And he deserves it. Therefore, we should live our life daily as an act of worship to our Lord. And as we take time today to give him back a portion of what in reality is already his, my prayer for Huntsville Christian Church and my prayer for all of us is that as we do this, we'll give to the Lord like we believe he is the Lord. That, that we will give to the Lord like we are grateful for all that he has provided for us. That when we give to the Lord, whether it's today, and I know some people get paid like once a month or every other week, and, and so we don't have the offering played out here so we can see who's giving and how much. It, it's part of this family that we're set up with. But I, but I want you to understand, as we give to the Lord today, my prayer is that, that it will be with a pure, unblemished heart of gratitude. That we're not giving out of crippled actions and out of ungratefulness. That's, that's where the tribes started breaking off. They started getting comfortable with the community. They started getting comfortable. They forgot they were set apart. They started bringing in blemished sacrifices. They started bringing in less than average things to give to God. And it's about our heart today. It's not about your money. So my prayer is that, is that for us, it, it's with gratitude, not with crippled actions or, or, or an ungratefulness or, or begrudgingly, fine, here's your money. It's, it's not how we want it to be. As I pray for our offering today, I hope that you will consider how blessed you really are and that it will reflect in the way that you joyfully give back to the Lord. I want to pray, and, and when I say amen, we're going to pass the offering plates around the tables, and, and in a few minutes, the men are going to collect that, and, and we're going to move on. But just pray with me for a minute. Father God, we come before you right now, and uh, we give back to you part of, of what you've already blessed us with. And, um, and, and as I said before, I'm thankful that we live here in, in America in the, the land of the free and the home of the brave. And we have so many freedoms and so many opportunities. And I pray, Lord, that as we take this opportunity today to give, that, that we recognize how blessed we truly are, how, how loved we are by you, and that, that we just understand that we should give with a joyful heart, with gratitude, with gratefulness, the same way that that you've sent your son for us. It's in his, son, it's in his name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and just take a minute and pass that plate. <laughs>
it's kind of a funny look at why it really matters in what we give and how we give and why what we, ma- what we give matters to God. The system of sacrifices was meant to illustrate God's requirement of blood to pardon personal and corporate sin. The whole process was also meant to be the initial picture of what Christ would eventually do on the cross for us. But as you can see, crippled actions as individuals will bring crippled actions as a congregation. And that's what took place as, as they went from the promised land to Malachi. They, they forgot the importance of unblemished. They started bringing second best or third best and keeping the best for themselves. As you know, today is the International Day of Prayer for persecuted Christians. And I I hope that those of you who were here last year have continued praying for the people that we talked about. And I want to share some things uh, from one of those stories from last year about Azia Bibi. Um, She was actually born as Asia, or excuse me, Azia Noreen, but she became known as Azia Bibi. Uh, She was born in 1971. She's a Pakistani Christian woman who was convicted of blasphemy by a Pakistani court, receiving a death sentence by hanging. The verdict would never, excuse me, the verdict would need to be upheld by a superior court, and it's reached worldwide attention. Um, If she's executed, she'll be the first woman in Pakistan to be lawfully killed for blasphemy. All right. And it wasn't blasphemy of, of God. It was blasphemy of the Muslim religion. That you, that, that you need to understand. Uh, Christian minister Shabez Bhatti and a Pakistani government politician known as Salman Tessier were both killed also for opposing the blasphemy laws last year. It all started in June of 2009. Asia Bibi was a farmhand from the village of Itinwali, and she was asked to fetch water. She complied, but some of her Muslim fellow workers refused to drink the water that she brought because they considered Christians to be unclean. Apparently, some argument ensued, and there had already been a bit of a running feud about land agreements between Asia Bibi and some property damage with some of the other co-workers. So they went and complained to a cleric that she had made derogatory comments about the Prophet Muhammad. A mob came to her house that day, beating her and members of her family before she was rescued by the police. However, the police then initiated an investigation about her remarks, which resulted in her arrest and prosecution under Section 295C of the Pakistan Penal Code. She spent more than a year in jail. In November of 2010, uh, Muhammad Navid Iqbal, judge at the court um, in Punjab, sentenced her to death by hanging and additionally added a fine of the equivalent of $1,100, which was imposed on her. That was information I gave you last year. Since then, her husband, who is 51 years old, has been appealing the verdict, which has to be upheld by the Lahore High Court, which is kind of like our Supreme Court. Um, Pope Benedict has called for clemency for her, and her conviction has also been criticized by human rights groups all over the world, apparently. Um, the law creates one of the human rights watch groups in um, in Punjab says the law creates this legal infrastructure, which is then used in various informal ways to intimidate, coerce, harass, and persecute, especially Christians. Now, she's been told that she could have a possible um, pardon, according to the governor who investigated the affair for the president. Um, she's likely to be pardoned if the high court does not dispense, suspend the sentence, 
but the local imam has already threatened that if she is pardoned or released, people would take the law into their own hands. Her family has received threats and has now gone into hiding. Um, the reason we know all this is because Voice of the Martyrs is helping to hide them, and they're the ones that put this out. So that kind of, you're going, well, if she's in hiding, how do we know all this? That's how. Uh, here's the, the other unique twist to this whole story. Um, on January 4th of 2011, at Kosher Market in Islamabad, the governor of Punjab, who's Salman Tazir, was assassinated by a member of his own security team because of his defense of Asia Bibi and his opposition to the blasphemy law. His own security team assassinated him. He was, he was outspoken in his criticism of the law and the verdict on Asia Bibi. The next day, thousands turned up for his funeral in spite of warnings by the Taliban and clerics. Thousands of Muslims also rallied in support of the blasphemy laws in Pakistan after the murder of Pakistan's minority affairs minister, Chavez Bhatti, the only Christian member of Pakistan's cabinet. He was also assassinated on March 2nd, 2011, reportedly for his position on blasphemy laws. He was shot dead by gunmen who ambushed his car near his residence in Islamabad. On September 9th, 2011, Voice of the Martyrs reported that the 28-year-old son of Governor Salman Tazir was kidnapped August 26th. They have no suspects and no ransom demands have been made for Shabez Tazir's kidnappers. I say all that to say that Asia Bibi and these men and their families, all they did was live for Jesus. They weren't radicals in that world in a sense. They weren't Bible-thumping people. They were just people who lived as Christians amongst um, uh, amongst Muslims. <clears throat> They're not perfect. The story even says she was having some some land disputes. She got in an argument. None of us have ever had an argument. I know. They, they're not perfect people. But here's the thing. Asia Bibi and her family and these other people are Christian people living persecuted, but they are not living crippled. Do you understand that? All the stuff I've said today comes down to that right there. Here are people, if anybody had an opportunity to just, duck under the radar, it, it would be this family. And instead, they're, they're boldly saying, pray for us. Don't pray that it stops. Pray that we can endure it. Don't pray that, that you know, that if she hangs, she hangs. That's one of the things that her husband said in a YouTube video. But pray that Jesus Christ is known through this. They're, they're living persecuted, but they're not living crippled. So a question I have for you is, how are you living for Jesus today? Are you wounded? Are you crippled? Maybe you're just comfortable and you like it where you are. We're getting ready to have our communion time. I want to read with you through Isaiah 53, and I'm reading from the message. So if you're going to follow along in your Bible, you're going to go, that's not what mine says. Um, and I want to set up some, some real quick parameters. Um, I want us to, when, when, we, when we stop, we're going, to, we're going to take communion all together as, as a family, okay? And so I'll, I'll kind of give some instruction. But I want to read with you through Isaiah 53 as we prepare ourselves for communion right now. Who believes what we heard, what we've heard and seen? Who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? The servant grew up before God, 
a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over. A man who suffered, who, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pains he carried. Our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself. That God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him. Our sins. He took the punishment that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way. And God has piled all of our sins, everything we've done wrong on him, on him. He was beaten. He was tortured, but he didn't say a word like a lamb taken to be slaughtered and like a sheep being sheared. He took it all in silence. Justice miscarried and he was led off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought for his own welfare. Beaten bloody for the sins of my people. They buried him with the wicked, threw him in a grave with a rich man, even though he'd never hurt a soul or said one word that wasn't true. Still, it's what God had in mind all along to crush him with pain. The plan was that that he give himself as an offering for sin so that he'd see life come from it. Life, life and more life. And God's plan will deeply prosper through him. Out of that terrible travail of soul, he'll see that it's worth it and be glad he did it. Through what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous ones as he himself carries the burden of their sins. Therefore, I'll reward him extravagantly the best of everything, the highest honors because he looked death in the face and didn't flinch because he embraced the company of the lowest. He took on his own shoulders the sin of the many. He took up the cause of all the black sheep. That last verse right there just resonates with me. He took up the cause of all the black sheep. And as we remember that Christ took up our cause today, may we be grateful as we take these emblems and reflect on our actions past. And as we examine ourselves, may we make a commitment that our future actions will no longer be crippled. At this time, go ahead and pass the bread what God had in mind all along. And he says for us to do this in remembrance of him. Not half-heartedly, but as I said last week, with self-examination, not to see if we're worthy on our own, but to know that he did this with a purpose and he did this with us in mind. Let's take this together. Sometimes it's just hard to understand and really wrap our minds around the fact that you would send your son perfect 
for us. We're so grateful that you did and that your love abounds. And as we take part in remembering his sacrifice, I pray that we will honor you because of his sacrifice. As we reflect on our actions, I ask that you would forgive us where we've fallen short. Amen.